radio? Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. On to the bench. Off the bench was Carlson. Broke up the play. Now he's in the rush. Takes the drop. Carlson across. Monday, February 11th, I am Bruce Pataglia of Puck77.com. Uh, and I'm James Cole. Nice. Yeah. How's it going? It's going. Yeah? This is weird. This is, is it? Sunday night. Sunday night. Welcome yeah. to my home. Huh. Yeah. Um, for those of you who are listening and maybe are confused if you didn't get around to the whole thing of the last episode or what have you, we are doing a bonus episode this week. Because uh, last episode ran a little bit long, and we didn't get to do all the things we wanted to do. James had to go to the university for learning. Yes. And uh, we kind of had to wrap up quickly and just sort of get through the main content last week. So, uh, this is kind of your, your your spillover, your leftovers, where you might even say. You're, um, sh- you're sharpening. Sh- sharpening. Yeah. Like you what get, do you, you gotta what? get your skate sharpened once in a while. So we're, sure. Yeah, we're a hockey podcast. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, this is like sharpening your skates, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that makes sense to you people. I, I didn't get it either. But um, so yeah, what we're gonna do? We're gonna we're you know we're gonna go over a couple things. Well, one thing we do want to talk about is this week it was confirmed uh, that the Breadman will be testing free agency. But we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, I did want to talk to you a little bit about the Super Bowl, James. All right. What about it? What did you think? Nice. The uh, I should start off by saying that the New England Patriots are world champions. It feels weird to say world champions because I don't know how many American football leagues there are in the world. But, uh, Can't yeah. be many. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're national football champions. I'll give them that for yeah. sure. Yeah. You watched the game. You went to a party. What did you think? I'm sure you're in the 99%. Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't really have a rooting interest. When we, I'm not one of those people that was like, you know, adamantly against the Patriots winning. Mm-hmm. But it's not not a fun game to watch. Um, if like, you know what I mean? Like, if you're supposed to showcase what your sport is to see a new fan or something like that, that's that's maybe not the game you want to be showing. No, that's for sure. And I mean, like, it, it became pretty evident to me that even for like casual football fans that that didn't really seem to be the game because I was seeing a lot of people who I, I assume watch football online saying that it was an incredibly boring game. Like, I don't know. I thought it was, I mean, first off, I'm, I'm a Patriots fan, so I have a rooting interest. So it was definitely a little more interesting for me than most football fans. But like, I thought it was a genius display on both ends of, of defensive football and, and 
defensive football for the Rams. I mean, offensively, it was it was a dope show for them. I don't know what the hell they were doing really there because they they probably should have been able to score some points. But uh, I enjoyed the game. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was great. But I understand why people wouldn't. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Because I know, yeah, like you're at a Super Bowl party, right? Ninety percent of the time you're talking. All you want to do is look at the TV and just have something exciting happen. Like, it's on in the background. It's not the focal point of most Super Bowl parties. Not all, but most. Yeah. So, like, you want something to happen. I get it. For the odd Super Bowl party where they just sit there and it's like, don't talk, the game's on. Like, yeah, maybe it was a pretty good game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, You know, Maroon 5 kind of fell flat as well. The ladies in the room were not overly uh, I was going to ask. So that was was your opinion? Yeah. It wasn't great. Okay. Yeah. I, I think. There's been far worse. Oh, and yes. Yeah, like people calling them the worst halftime show of all time. Like, I, I don't know if I saw a different Super Bowl halftime show when Bruno Mars did it. I thought it was terrible, but that's just me. Yeah, I didn't mind that one. I I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't. I'm not a Bruno Mars guy though. That's fair. I don't know. Fair. I was looking at like past Super Bowl halftime shows and looking at like the '80s and '90s and like, come on, you, you got to tell me that like. Gloria Estefan singing We Are the World, We Are the Children was, like, fucking better than Maroon 5. Like, you didn't even watch it. There's no way that was better than Maroon 5. Come on. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think nothing tops uh, 2002 when the Rolling Stones did it. Uh, That'll never be topped. They did it in, like, 05 or 06, for sure. Okay. Yeah. They may have done it before that, but I think they only did one. They were great. Uh, Beyonce in 2013, I still contend, was the best one of all time. Is that the one where she showed up formation with... No, that was the one where she uh, she was the halftime ah, show, ah. and uh, Destiny's Child showed up. Oh, yeah. It was phenomenal. Yeah. It was the best 15 minutes of music live performance I've seen in a long time. Okay. It was great. Okay. Lady Gaga was good, except I forgot she did it until the other day, which was hilarious because I saw her in concert like five months after it happened. She was good, though. That's fair. But yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed the Super Bowl. The, the Patriots are world champions, whatever. I was going to play the Vince Lombardi trophy music right now, but I, there's no point. I don't did need we, to break. Uh, did we have to review our prop bets before we uh, get going Oh, here? shit. I guess we could. How'd that go? Um, you, I don't know. You definitely won, I think. I don't know. I don't know how long the anthem was. I didn't really time it. No, I didn't check. Right. I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it was over a minute and forty five though. Okay, that that would give you the edge there. Um, I'll check what they ended up being here. I'm gonna assume there wasn't a scoring drive that was quicker because there wasn't a lot of scoring uh, no, drives. There definitely was not. So we both lost that. I didn't. I didn't see any kneels in the anthem. I don't know if it. No, I don't believe there were. All right. No, we both lost that. Was Brady shown first during the anthem? I, I don't remember. Uh, first coach was McVeigh. Again, I, I don't, I don't recall. We should have been doing our, our homework here a little bit more diligently. Perhaps. Well, I was watching the game. You know, yeah. I, I'm not even gonna lie. Like, and I'm not blaming this on you because this was not your job at all. I was like sitting there watching. I'm like, uh, James is probably right now. <laughs> shit down. Like, it just seemed like something you would have done. I definitely won the coin toss. I took the Rams to win the coin toss. Okay, I might have one here. Okay. Oh wait, these are. Okay, entertainment odds. Will any men- member of the Pips join Gladys Knight for the national anthem? Come on. <laughs> uh, the anthem was a minute and 49. Nice. So you won that. Um, this is a different website, so... Scoring Drive did not take less time. Gladys Knight did not take a kneel. No, <laughs> no player kneeled. Jared Goff was shown first. Hmm. 
Interesting. Coach? Uh, apparently they didn't show either coach during the anthem. Okay. A yeah. wash? I remember, okay, well, for what it's worth, I remember during the uh, God Bless America, or whatever they did first, they definitely showed McVeigh first. Okay. So I don't know if either of us win there, but... We both took McVeigh, so it'd be a wash regardless. Okay. So Who will be mentioned first during the broadcast? Uh, doesn't have any... Our, our next one was uh, Coin Toss, which, which I won because the Rams won. Yeah. Um, and then you won because it was Tails, it wasn't Heads. I remember that. Okay. Um, Coin wins the game, you took the Pats, and I did not take the Pats, so I won that one. Because the Rams won the head co- the coin toss. And, uh, yeah. Uh, Maroon 5, what was their first song? They opened up with... Uh, Harder to Breathe. Yeah. So we were both wrong. Yeah, we both lost that. No Benny 3000, so uh, Jimmy takes the edge there. Uh, I, I don't remember a flea flicker. What the hell's a Benny 3000? Benjamin 3000 did not appear. Oh, Andre 3000. Oh, yeah, Andre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, he's Andy 3000, man. Come on. Benny 3000. Dre 3000, like anything. Benny, I'm like... I'm, not, I'm like Benny Benassi. Like, why would he be there? Benjamin 3000. <laughs> um, there's one There's one here, Case. This website I'm looking at, it says that the age gap was not mentioned. I distinctly remember it being mentioned, like, right after kickoff. What age gap between between Belichick and McVeigh? It was like the first thing they mentioned. Because huh. I remember laughing in my room watching it. I'm or like, did, oh. or did that mean between Brady and? Uh, uh, no, it literally says, "Will golf. Belichick and McVeigh age gap be mentioned during the broadcast?" Huh. Yeah. Anyway. Well, we both said yes anyway, so it's a wash. Yeah. Uh, was there a flea flicker? I don't. No, I don't, no, no, no flea flicker. Not right. that I saw. Jimmy gets the I edge. think I'd remember that because that would have been the most exciting fucking moment of the game, probably. And did they show the Saints Rams pass interference play? Mm, I'll see if I can find it here because I don't remember it. Uh, apparently, they did not. All right, so mm-hmm. that's um, that's that's uh, that's five for Jimmy and uh, three for Brutes. All so. right, well, fuck me. Yeah, don't have to know football to win some prop bets. No, apparently not. In fact, it's like March Madness. It's better that you don't know anything, actually. Okay. Well, maybe we'll talk some some hockey. Yeah. Talk some hockey. The Breadman has uh, decided. That he is going to test the free agent market. Now, I don't want to say he's not returning to Columbus, because that is not the case, necessarily. He's not returning to Columbus. He's not, but I mean, you know. I'll say it. You know. I'll I'll step up to the plate. Yeah, I mean, uh, ultimately, like, first off, do you think it's a good career move? I mean, I guess it depends where he goes and how much money. But just looking at it objectively, like, if you were Panarin... I mean, if I were Panarin, I wouldn't leave. But... I don't know everything he knows. I don't know what, like, that fucking locker room's like with that psycho Italian man yelling at you all day about how, back in 04, like, you know, you know Torturella, he's going on about his fucking training regimens that, you know, he basically make you puke, and, and that was, like, his coaching legacy. That and trying to fight Bob Hartley or whoever it was from the fucking Flames back in the day. Yeah. But... Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, to me, he's that's why he's leaving. I think. Well, I think that's a large part of it. It's, I think it's got part to do with it, yeah. I mean, like, I think he's gone on the record stating before about, like, how Columbus isn't exactly an exciting city. Yeah, which I don't get either. Well, I mean, like, if, if you're know. comparing it to, like, Los Angeles and New York, sure. 
but my understanding is that Columbus is actually a pretty fun place. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I would have assumed, like, it would have been, like, the bottom five cities Colum- to... So the thing with Columbus is Columbus is, like, a, a, like a college town, right? So apparently the demographic there is a lot of younger people, and it's more of, like, a fun kind of atmosphere sort of city. Okay. It's not like a business hub or anything like that. It's uh, it's Seattle, but in the Midwest. Oh. <laughs> that sounds delightful. Yeah, sure. Lots yeah. of coffee, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I just, I'm just i thinking like big picture. Like there really isn't... Like, you know, Cleveland's got all the sports teams. It's it's Columbus yeah. and a bunch of Cleveland universities. Is, Cleveland is a shithole from what I gather. Yeah, okay. For sure. But I, I've heard good things about Columbus. But, uh, I mean, you know, that that likely has a large part of it uh, to do with it. And that is partly why I sort of wonder if he ends up with the Rangers. Because I do think that is a team that's going to have cap room. That, you know, they have some Russians there that they're probably going to have next year. Um, you know, they can afford to pay them. They're going to be in a position to compete soon. Not probably next year. They're not going to be very good either. But they're going to get there. I mean, if they sign Panarin, they'll be better than if they don't sign Panarin. But I think that makes a lot of sense if if Panarin's going alone. But the whole teaming up with Bobrovsky's agent thing—I don't know. If, do I don't you think, think they'll, re- they'll go together? Like, do you think that? I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, sure they're going to entertain I was gonna the say, possibility. I think they're going to take a long, hard look at it. Yeah, because why wouldn't try to go? I, they seem like they've built a decent rapport yeah. with each other. So I, w- I would imagine they'd want to go together. Whether a team can make it work, it's kind of like. You, all that talk we had a few years ago about you know trading away the Sedins, it just wasn't something that was going to yeah. happen. Um, so, you know, financially, I, I just don't know if it's going to make sense unless they both are willing to take a big discount to play together. But yeah. it doesn't leave a lot of teams on the on, on you know like just the Rangers alone become out of the equation on the fact that they well they've got Henrik Lundqvist, they don't need Sergei Bobrovsky, and neither one of those guys is going to want to play back up to the other. The Rangers probably don't want to spend fifteen million dollars on their goaltenders, so yeah. yeah. Well, I don't see Bobrovsky going there um, unless they are at a point where Henrik Lundqvist wants to go somewhere else to try and win a cup, maybe beyond this year. Um, which I don't think he's going to. I imagine he's no. going to retire a New York Ranger and probably not go anywhere else. Yeah, I, I don't know if I buy into the whole philosophy that they are going to look at a package deal that much, or like that it's a necessity, I mean. I'm sure they'll look into it. I don't really think that we're in a situation here where these guys have to sign together and that they think they need to sign together and because they're really limiting their own options. Like, A, they're probably going to take pay cuts if they go together um, because no team is going to be able to make that work right off the bat. Um or at least no team that is in the realm of competition. You know what I mean? So, I, I don't know. It, it's it's a tough sell for me. Uh, but I do think that this kind of stems from Panarin wanting to play under the big city lights sort of thing. And I do expect uh, the Rangers will be in on him. I think Nashville is a big player there too. Um, like, they have a lot to offer him in terms of, you know being a star but not the guy like he's not going to have all this pressure on him but he is going to be their best forward so i think that's one place the rangers like i said for the third time now maybe vegas the yeah. rangers yeah vegas came to mind for me new york rangers yeah i, I, I don't know 
I I could honest I could see Panarin going anywhere. Honestly, yeah. like it's he's not kind Canada, of a wild card. Not Canada. I don't unlikely. See, I don't yeah. see him in Canada anywhere. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like there's, I think every well, don't team tell could a Hab use... fan that. Yeah, well, Habs, Habs, they've already signed him. He's getting eight eight years, even though he can only sign seven. But they're going to sign and trade for him. Uh, he's going to get a fifteen million dollar contract. And he's going to be the best player on the team, and he's going to save the franchise. That is doesn't he, need saving because they're already the cup favorites. Is is he playing on the first line with Tavares or the second line with Domi? <sighs> well, see, by then they will have traded Domi to the Sabers for Jack Eichel. Uh, um, so yeah. good Quebec boy, yeah. Jack Eichel. Yeah, that's fine. Hey, I mean, the Jack Hughes just needs a year or two before he's ready to make the jump up, anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so where, like, ultimately, do you think Panarin is making a good financial decision to leave? Like, do you think he's going to end up making more money as a result of this? Definitely. Yeah? Yeah. Someone's just going to get into a bidding war over, over the guy, and it might even be Columbus. Like, Columbus might, you know, decide that they have to spend on this guy, and... Yeah. I don't know what the magic number is. I'd be is. surprised if they don't make an offer to him. I mean, it, it, uh, if, it if, depends what happens over the next... 10 days to two weeks to three months, depending how long he remains a Columbus Blue Jacket. But, um, cause I mean, a lot of nasty things can happen in that amount of time. Yeah. Uh, you know, like there's, there's going to be a number where Panarin's just going to say, yeah, okay. Yeah. You, know, I've, I've been you would here, have I've, to think. I know what to get, you know, I know what I'm getting out of this team and everything and the money, I just can't turn it down. Whether or not, you know, like what's, what's the gap though? Like if the Rangers come in at 10, and the Blue Jackets are offering twelve. Well, maybe that's not enough to swing yeah. it to Columbus. You know, what's the what's the cap hit that you would sign Panarin to? Like, what do you think he's worth, and what do you think he ends up at? If I'm a if I'm a general manager of a hockey team this off season, I'm I don't know if I'm going long term on Panarin. So I think the cap no hit's way. probably pretty Why's high. That? Just this whole thing with with Columbus and you know like. It just it kind of scares me a little bit. Like if if I if I sign the guy, like what kind of character am I getting out of him? I'm not saying he's wrong for testing free agency, but it's just it's become a very public thing. You know. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with that necessarily. Well, and... the way I look at it with Panarin is is you know he went there two years ago via trade. At no point did Panarin say that he wanted to go to Columbus. Like when a player gets traded, I think you can only expect so much out of them to buy into the team that they get traded to i mean granted like they they show up every day and do your fucking job is the way i see it you know on on the other hand like he at no point did he ever want to go there i think he's done a pretty good job of making the most of it um you know he showed up and been a amazing player for them he's fucking arguably one of the best players in franchise history he's only Mm -hmm. been there a year and a half um like i think they could have always seen this coming and i think the blue jackets a saw that they had a window to compete over the next two years and they got a massive upgrade over Brandon Saad, which I, I, you know, looking back on it, I'd probably make that trade too because I thought they absolutely dominated that trade. Like, I thought that was a brutal move for Chicago. I still do. I do sort of think he's played it as well as he could have. And now, I, I just, I don't buy there being character issues there. But again, and it goes back to what I said five minutes ago, I don't know. What I don't know everything. We don't know everything. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, we're not in these rooms with these guys. And, yeah. And at the end of the day, you could be right. He might have a character issue. I just don't see it that way. 
because I, I think he's actually been pretty good about everything. He's just now is his opportunity. He was only going to get one opportunity for this big contract. He's only going to get one opportunity. Well, I guess he had two to pick where he wants, what team he wants to play for in the NHL. Because I mean, I guess he <laughs> signed with Chicago, yeah. but and we got to um, remember he, he he's got a good buddy out there in St. Louis too. Him and uh, him and Vlad. Oh, here we go. Know, Vlad was really drum- beating here the drum to, to bring Panarin over to North America. You know, <laughs> trying to get... if he doesn't like Columbus, you think he's gonna like St. Louis? <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe Craig Berube's a more uh, tender, loving. Coach, oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, Craig Berube, the uh, the softy, yeah. hey, the teddy bear, as everyone knows him. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, obviously, we made it pretty known last week on the podcast, not to speak for you, but. Uh, they should definitely fucking keep them and try to run with this the rest of the year and do what they can unless they get an offer for someone that doesn't make them... You know what I mean? Like, if they get something stupid and, like, Nashville wants to give up fucking Victor Arvidsson for him, okay, well, then maybe make the trade. But they're not going to get offered something like that. A team that's in competition is going to offer you a non-essential roster piece. It's going to be, like, a third-line winger that, you know what I mean, has bright upside. Like, the best guy they're going to get is like a Jack Rosovic. Hmm. Is Jack Rosovic worth making the trade? You know, it's hard to say. So. Right. Yeah, I don't know. A lot of this, too, might depend on if he does get dealt, because that gives whichever yeah. team he ends up with three, four months to oh, it's, negotiate. It's so. the ultimate sit them down at the table and, and make the pitch to them type of negotiation. Like, what better way is there to sell a free agent on your city than to bring him in, he's going to play first-line minutes, and you're going to make a run at a Stanley Cup. Like, you actually get to experience it. It's not like you're sitting down at the table, and Kyle Dubas and his his media junkies have put together this, like, simulated video of you winning the Stanley Cup with Mitch Marner on your fucking wing. Like, he literally will get to live the Stanley Cup experience in a city. And, mm-hmm. you know, that might help sell Panarin on that city. If it's Columbus, and they go to the conference final, like... Who's to say that it doesn't open up a different view of Columbus than what he had previously? Sure. He's only seen one side of Columbus, yeah. you know? Still don't think he's staying. No, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, top ten. Top ten. Top ten. That was quick. They were, <laughs> we're normally nice and shot out by the time the top ten comes around. We've been yeah, talking for like... Top ten. It's been like 20 minutes. Let's do it. This is great. I got lots of energy. Uh, our top ten this week as we continue to celebrate Oscar month, is uh, we decided to go with our top 10 best actor winners since 1979. Um, so, unlike last week, this isn't, you know, essentially every movie that got nominated, we're only going with the winners, we're going with the best of the best in terms of at least the, the winners. Now, I will say this, when you go down this list since 1979... It's different from Best Picture in the sense that I went down the winning performances, and granted, I haven't seen them all. There's very few where I saw it, and I'm like, oh god, this guy got ripped off, or that guy got ripped off. Usually the acting awards are pretty bang on. Yeah. Uh, I very rarely have many issues. Eddie Redmayne as uh, as Stephen Hawking was kind of the one where I was like, eh, I guess, but I, didn't, I thought there were better performances that year. Uh, who would I have had? Who 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 did he win over? Uh, I will have to look it up, but it was, I believe, the Christian Bale American Hustle year. Uh, Eddie Redmayne won in twenty fourteen uh, over Steve Carell and Foxcatcher, Bradley Cooper in American Sniper, 
Benedict Cumberbatch in The Imitation Game and Michael Keaton in Birdman. I definitely would have gone Keaton or Carol. Or, or, I was going to say Carol. Steve Carroll. Steve Carell in Foxcatcher, I thought for sure should have won that year. But They were all good performances. Yeah, I'm not going to say Eddie yeah. Redmayne was bad. It's yeah. not like Slumdog Millionaire where I'm like, how the fuck is, yeah. how is he even yeah. nominated? No, he would deserve nomination. Right. I just, that was one of the few. I don't know. There's not many, though. I think, like, a lot of them, and, and spoiler alert, by the way, obviously Eddie Redmayne is not in my top ten. But, uh, yeah. I don't know. The other thing they, I noticed They, they tend I... to get it right more often, yeah. I think. The other thing I noticed when I went through the list going back to 1979 is that unlike with best, best pitchers which you know get so much hype and recognition and you know you typically go and see at least the winner if not a few of the, the nominees i didn't really recognize a lot of some of the acting performances yeah the, sometimes they don't uh, they're not quite as iconic yeah in terms of the, the zeit- performance the, the... probably is good but it's the movie itself isn't necessarily maybe as no exactly engaging. like uh, a lot of because t- that's one thing I do l- really like about the acting awards is they're not they're not awarding this based on the you know where this movie's going to remain in like the zeitgeist of popular culture like it's it's more so where like just generally who put the most heart and soul and preparation into this fucking performance yeah and pulled it off yeah. and you know. Again, granted, I, I agree with their choices more often than um, than I do for the best picture. And honestly, I do prefer the best actor categories, best actress categories, because um, I find them more interesting. And they're more fun to watch. It's more fun to just sit down and watch a movie and like watch an actor or an actress put on a fucking show. you know. And, and I, I do love it. So I was excited for this top ten. And next week, uh, well, this week, Later this week, we're doing top 10 best actresses uh, since ladies. 1979. We'll get to the ladies, yeah. which there's some fucking good ones in there. Um, but yeah, we're doing the actors today, uh, so don't... Meryl don't Street. Let's... Uh, yeah. Meryl Street. Meryl Street. It's Meryl Street Week. Street, Street week. Fuck. It's Sunday night, folks. Like, my God. Uh, and I am hella hungover. Like, I gotta say that, too. Alright. Tough day. Yeah. Wow. was supposed to go to a shag last night. Got to the shag. I guess this would have been better to say at the top of the show. We got to the shag at 11.45, and the lineup was out the door, which generally doesn't happen at 11.45. That's more like a 10.30 type thing. Um, and for those of you who don't know, a shag is where, uh, you know, a bunch of Thunder Bay people get together and get drunk and uh, give a bunch of money to two people who are getting married. I didn't think you needed to clarify that, but then I thought, like, there's probably, like, one random British person out there. You never know, man. You just, you never know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did not go to an orgy last night. But, uh, but yeah. 11.45, I I was in bed, for sure. Were you? Oh, yeah, you had a long day. Yeah. I'm surprised you were even, well, I guess you guys close at, what, 10? Saturdays? Oh, okay. Quieter night, so I was, that's good. I was out of there and home pretty quick. Jimmy was tie tie. A little bit. Went home. A little bit. I got a little sleep. Sleep. Still a little tie. Still a little tie tie. Long weekend for Jimmy. Oh, a lot of people get to rest on their weekends. Jimmy gets working. It's good get stuff. Get to party next weekend though. That's true. You're. Oh yeah. We never even mentioned. Well, fuck. We got a main episode this week. We'll yeah. talk about it on Wednesday. Keep a little, little teaser there. Yeah, me. we got a lot of fucking talking to do this week, so we'll do it later this week. Um. Okay. Top ten. So we're going to do, again, for those of you who are not aware, we're going to do a comparative, not a not a collaborative. So we're just going to compare our list. Yeah. What's your number 10 there, big guy? You yeah. have the honors. You know what? It, it wouldn't be the Laced Up podcast if I didn't get things going at number 10 with our old friend, 
Nicholas Cage. Nice! Oh, that's awesome. I, he didn't make mine, but okay, yeah. that's good. Yeah, Nights 95, Leaving yeah. Las Vegas. Eh, you know what? I He's fantastic. There was a lot of options that I had at number 10. Um, oh, God, it was so hard. I... I'm, I'm not going to lie, I, I gave a slight edge to Nicolas Cage because I knew it was for the podcast, yeah. so I have no shame in that. I don't know about you, 10. but if you remember your, I'm going to give my honorable mentions once we get down to like two or one, I'll mention. Because I had two movies, it, I still feel bad that I cut the performances, ah, but whatever. You gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. Well, it's only Sometimes. 10, Sometimes. it's not top 12, you know? No, we gotta stay on brand here. It'll happen. Yeah. Uh, my number 10 is Denzel Washington in Training Day, wow. which having rewatched the movie in the last week because like I was going through the nominees and I'm like fuck I haven't seen Training Day in like years I arguably could have put him higher but he's fantastic in Training Day it's it's I don't even think it is his best acting performance but he he is such an asshole in that movie man mm. like he like oh my god like it is one of the only times ever I've watched a movie I fucking hate Denzel Washington in it's just his character like you just hate him but yeah, he's fair. amazing. Yeah. He's amazing in that True. movie. So, uh, yeah, number 10, Training Day. Uh, number 9 for me. And uh, you know what? I I feel like you might not agree with me on this one. but uh, Eddie Redmayne, <laughs> The Theory of Everything. Uh, Tom Hanks, uh, 1994. Not 1993, because I didn't realize that he went back to back. He did. Like I the, believe the only actor to do so. Like the Golden State Warriors, he's going back to back. Yeah. Which is actually impressive. Like I don't think many actors have. I'll 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 check into that. But like, yeah, I don't think so. It it's kind of amazing when you think back to like the forties, because like right. actors would get nominated for like three different fucking movies for mm-hmm. this category, and still not to like ever win back to back. Like people people were churning out like a movie every week. <laughs> like it was the like Beatles it was like with their albums. It, yeah, it was like porn for God's sakes. You know what I mean? Like All just right. a new film every week. Okay. I'm a, I assume that's how they do it. Uh, anyway, so just to clarify that, that was for Forrest Gump. Because he yeah. did go back to back, folks. So yeah. you might not remember which year's which. But yeah, no, Forrest Gump, I don't know. I just, he was the best part of that film. And it wasn't uh, it wasn't uh, a lackluster performance by any means. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed the life story that he portrayed. Yeah, he, he's not on my list. But uh, Spencer Tracy did it in the uh, 30s, by the way. Um, the he's, not, he's not on my list. But I am willing to admit that that is one of the better performances of the last 40 years. Yeah. Again, like I've I've explained before, and I'm going to explain it again. It's a fine movie. I just think it's overrated. But Tom Hanks is delightful in it. He is. I will never say anything bad about Tom Hanks, I hope. Well, that's good. I hope he never does anything bad. I love Tom Hanks very yeah, much. Yes. He's a good man. Uh, my number nine is Matthew McConaughey, Dallas Buyers Club. Hmm. Um for those of you who have not seen the film, because there's really no reason to watch the film other than, I guess, A, McConaughey's performance, B, Jared Leto's performance, C, I guess, if you're not aware of, like, AIDS, it would be, <laughs> it's it spreads a little bit of awareness there. Um, but yeah, Matthew McConaughey ate, like, yogurt, like, a tub, like, a little tub of yogurt, little thing. And, uh, like, a, an apple or something every day for, like, six months. That was all he ate. And he got down to, like, a hundred and... I don't I don't remember what weight it was, but his doctors were like, Yeah, you, you know, you don't have to take it that seriously. You can, like, eat some food while you're getting ready for this. And he's like, nah. 
stopped driving his Lincoln. Yeah. yeah. I was driving a Lincoln long before they paid me to drive a Lincoln. There you go. I just like the way it feels. Yes. That wasn't my best McConaughey, but well, I'm it's, hungover. it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, there's number nine, Maddie okay. McConaughey, 2013, I should add. Number uh, number eight, we're going back to the year I was born. Ooh. Yes. 1991, in case uh, anyone out there was curious. Nice. Uh, Anthony Hopkins, Silence of the Lambs. Clarice. Now, I might be wrong in this, but I believe this is the least amount of screen time to win lead actor. Um... The movie for like I can't confirm, but I think I've heard that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not. He's arguably not a lead actor, no. but yeah. <laughs> like no one else is, so he gets the he gets the credit. Um, yeah, it I was. So. It, that's that's kind of why it's so low on my list. Like it'd probably be higher if if he okay. did more. But sure. you know, he, he did a fantastic job in what he was given, and that's yeah. the director's decision. So okay, yeah. Um. I think I overrate this next performance maybe more than most people, but I I don't give a damn. I think it's one of the best acting performances ever. Right. Uh, number eight from two thousand and eight, Sean Penn for Milk. Hmm. Um, Fuck it, guy brings me to goddamn tears in that movie, man. Like he, he's he's so good in that movie. Um, for those of you who haven't seen it, definitely watch it. It's about a gay protest. What what the hell? No, no, he's right. He's he's a city official but i can't remember what kind it might just be like a counselor or something like that okay like cody fraser nice yeah i don't think he actually runs Former for mayor guest. but yeah yeah anyway sean penn from milk sean penn. great great performance that's yeah, fair I, yeah. I don't think many people saw that coming from that stage of his career okay no Wh- what do you mean i i like Sean Penn, he was kind of the 80s, and then he... You know, oh, he yeah. You know what's... And what's interesting about Sean Penn is, like, also uh, his other Best Actor nomination was 2003 for for Mystic River, and he won. So, like, he actually, in the 2000s, was when he was crushing it. M. Night Shyamalan. M. Night... Shyamalan? That is not an M. Night Shyamalan Mystic film, River? sir. Mystic River? Really? Mystic River is Clint Eastwood, I believe. I knew he was in it. I, for some reason, I thought it was a Shyamalan. Clint Eastwood? Yeah. Well, he's not in Mystic River. Is he not? No. Mystic River is the one with Tim Robbins where uh, Sean Penn's daughter gets kidnapped and, like, killed, and, and they're not sure who did it. Lawrence Fishburne's in it. It's a huh. fucking great movie. Didn't make my list, but <laughs> it was close. It was a it was a late cut. I'm but, learning so uh, much today. Yeah, watch Mystic River, man. Cool. Yeah. Not by Shyamalan. It Shyamalan guaranteed not. I'm like ninety percent sure it's Clint Eastwood. I'll look it up while you're talking. All right. Well, I'll uh, just stick to things I know uh, more about, I suppose. Uh, and uh, what I do know is my own top ten list, and we're at number seven. <laughs> so, uh, number seven, 2015, long overdue. Leo DiCaprio, The Revenant. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, maybe this is just, uh, this is kind of like when Drew Doughty got a Norris, and we all just said, yeah, it's it's fine. Yeah. Uh, uh, not his best performance, kind of like the Denzel argument. It's not his best, yeah. no, but, but yeah. A, a, a really good job, a really good performance, acting-wise, uh, I yeah. thought. And, uh, he did deserve to win that year, I he would did. say. Yeah, yeah like but over the other guys, I, I for sure. There were definitely a few others that he could have won as well, <clears throat> but, you know, yeah. I digress. Yeah, well, I mean, like, even 2013, right, he was nominated as Jordan Belfort in Wolf of Wall Street, but, I mean, and, like, that might be, other than 
Titanic at this point. That might actually be his most iconic role now. But um, that was the McConaughey year. Mm. So, like, what are yeah. you going to do there? Yeah. Uh, Leo was up uh, 2006 for Blood Diamond. Again, yeah. fantastic. But, like, Forrest Whitaker, what are you going to do? Right. He you was know? up for supporting for Catch Me If You Can, wasn't he? Um, Would he have been supporting? I thought it was a lead role. but well, he might have been. Uh, he was uh, nominated in 2004 for The Aviator. But, again, <laughs> Jamie Foxx, which I don't know if that comes up on yours, but it was pretty close to coming up on mine. Um, yeah, I don't know. What are you going to do? But yeah, that's fair. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Okay, Leo for The Revenant. That might be um, the movie in the last 40 years uh, where the lead actor says the least amount of words. Because uh, he has about four lines in that movie. It's true. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, Leo fucks a bear or something. I don't know. Yeah, man. something like that. Uh, my number seven is Philip Seymour Hoffman, 2005 for Capote. Um, yeah. Crazy good performance, and he and you know, we were robbed of more Philip Seymour Hoffman movies. He's gone too soon, the late Philip Seymour Hoffman. But he's a guy where I'll, I'll watch a film that I watched when I was like twelve, mm-hmm. and I'll watch it today. I'm like, oh shit, like Philip Seymour Hoffman's in this. Yeah, and he just he just seemed to just place himself in films sporadically. Yeah, and didn't matter what kind of film it was. Yeah. Wide I, range. I have some respect for some of the roles he chose where it was just like this ridiculous sort of like he was such a good actor but then he's also like the fucking the sound guy in Twister and he's just yeah. you know what I mean like what the fuck is he doing in this movie like he's too good for this movie like you know the big Lebowski um obviously I like the one that comes to mind for me the most outrageous Philip Seymour Hoffman like just random kind of role choice Along Came Polly with Ben Stiller, where he's his fucking, like, he's a failed child star. And don't get me wrong, like, that that's not a great movie, but, like, Philip Seymour Hoffman is by far the funniest part of the movie, because his character is outrageous, and, like, you know what, if, if someone came to me with that role, and I read that script, and I got to say those lines, yeah, fuck, if I'm Philip Seymour Hoffman, I'm taking that role, you know? Yeah, no, it's... Moneyball comes to mind for me because, like, yeah, I went into oh, that. Yeah. I went into that thinking, like, oh yeah, okay, Brad, Brad Pitt, Jonah. I don't think no, so. he was he was close though. Brad Pitt, Jonah Hill, movie about a baseball, you know, general manager. Maybe you see some players. Oh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's playing the bench boss. Yeah. All right, that's that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, he he, I would argue is possibly one of the best supporting actors of all time, if not the best. Like he 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 is an an underrated talent, and the people who know he's good, they know how good he or he was. But I feel like he's not a household name where he probably should have been. And yeah, his portrayal of Truman Capote is just outstanding in uh, in that movie. So yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Fair enough. Oh, I guess I'm up. That's, Wait, I was waiting for your next name. And you're you're going to need to give me a name, bro. I did not. The people want to hear your names. Uh, number six, um, Casey Affleck. Yeah, eh? 2016, Manchester okay. by the Sea. Uh, I thought he did a really good job of. Um, portraying the demons that that character yeah you know was kind oh, of oh he blew me with. away don't yeah. don't get me wrong because for about 60 percent of that film i didn't really get what this guy's like stick up his ass was all about right and then mm-hmm. you know as the story and the plot develops, yeah it's a pretty and, fucked up movie and it is and <laughs> it's kind of like, catches you off guard it's amazing how like the performance at the beginning of the movie before you have all the facts comes together at the end of the movie and the character just makes so much more sense when you get the information 
because the character already has that information, obviously, but we don't as the audience. And to do that, I think that takes a lot of skill yeah. for an actor. So, yeah, no, I, I would agree with you there. That's okay, good. we agree. Well, he's not on my list, but I mean, I agree with it. Ah. I agree with what you're saying. Ah. Uh, my number six is uh, all the way back, well before my lifetime. We're gonna go back to the year of 1980, and my boy Bobby De Niro in Raging Bull. Nice. Um, he look Jake LaMotta, uh, not the nicest guy ever. Took a couple too many blows to the head for sure, but uh, Bobby De Niro does a great job. Uh, portraying him in Raging Bull. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if it's his best, again, acting performance. Uh, but I'm certainly happy he got recognized for it. And yeah, for those of you who don't know, kids, Robert De Niro used to be an actor. Before he played uh, <laughs> the intern to fucking Anne Hathaway's intern. Robert Mueller on SNL. That? Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. Yep. Yeah, Robert De Niro, number six. Awesome. Uh, number five, uh, you've mentioned him a few spots earlier. Uh, Matthew McConaughey. Okay. Dallas Buyers. So nice. That's, yeah, I mean, anytime an actor drops, uh, you know, third of their body weight for a role, I think it's pretty impressive. I think it goes without saying Christian Bale would be on my list right now. Uh, had he won for American Psycho, same idea. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's impressive, you know. You, you go could to, put him maybe on your list next year when he inevitably wins for Vice this year. Inevitably, I think so. Okay. Yeah, he 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 gained a lot of fucking weight for that role. <laughs> like, hey, you know what? I think it's easier to gain weight. Oh God! Oh Jesus! Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, he's taken the weight off before. It's not the first <laughs> time he's done this, but um, number five for me. Are you, were you done? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, my number five is Colin Firth. For the King's Speech, ah, 2010. Yes. I have a voice. Yeah. Um, look, I'm, I'm sure that they had to do... Uh, some of those scenes took a, more than a few takes. But the way he is able to portray this character, having the stammer to the to the magnitude that the character has it, is incredible. And him and Jeffrey Rush play off each other great. Like, Jeffrey Rush, another great performance there is in the sporting role. But, yeah, for me, Colin Firth, it's, it's, it blew me away the first time I saw the movie. I remember going to see it in theaters, and it, it blew me away. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, fair enough. All right, number four. Daniel Day-Lewis. But wait. No one knows which I'm My about. left foot. Oh, no, is it not my left foot? It's not my left oh, foot. okay. It's, uh, There Will Be Blood. Okay. 2007. Yeah. Drinking some milkshakes. I couldn't get into the into uh, my left foot. Yeah, it's couldn't get into it. Yeah. Yeah. No. There was there wasn't enough beyond Daniel to really. No, it's sell. not a good movie. No. I don't care what anyone says. That was not great. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, there will be blood. I mean, uh, we talked about it last week. The movie itself, uh, by and far the biggest piece of that film. Um, Again, it's a really hard movie to to describe. I think we alluded to that, and you just you just like I don't like his character. Oh no! <laughs> Nobody likes absolutely this guy. not. No, but like to do a good a job as oh, Daniel does so good. with that character, only Daniel could do that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah okay, Daniel. I I, I think Daniel we'll be Day from Lewis. Daniel again. 
I hope so. Yeah. I'd really like to hear from Daniel again. Okay. Uh, my number four, we're going back to, again, before my lifetime. Uh, 1988, Dustin Hoffman in Rain Man. Mm. Yeah. That's fair. Leave the table. Yeah. Leave the table. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's back when Tom Cruise was an actor. Ba- back when Dustin Hoffman was an actor. <laughs> fair. <laughs> like, fucking. Like, there's a guy whose career fell off a cliff yeah, recently, well, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, Dustin Hoffman in Rain Man, like, look, like... Not the most talented actor, but that role, he's incredible. Like, absolutely incredible. And, yeah, good for Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, he's got yeah, accomplish something in his life, I suppose. You know? Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sitting here saying he's not the most talented actor. You're saying he at least accomplished something in his life. <laughs> Meanwhile, he literally is one of the biggest fucking music, like, movie stars of the last 50 yeah, years. It remains to be seen. Yeah. <laughs> Show me something good, eh? <laughs> what's he done since then? Yeah, what's he what's done, he done? What's he done since then? Meet the Fockers? Give me a break. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, not unlike our friend Tom Hanks, I'm going back to back with Daniel Day Lewis at number three for Lincoln. Oh, I thought you were gonna say for my left foot. <laughs> I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Lincoln, eh? Yeah. I was watching Lincoln long before they paid me to watch Lincoln. <laughs> I was sitting down writing a letter to Marianne in the in the studies keep, and I thought to myself, if only there was a mode of transportation named after my own historic accomplishment. Do you think they should do a crossover movie where Lincoln's reading the letters that Samuel L. Jackson writes to him in The Hateful Eight? <laughs> Played by Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah that would be wild. Yeah, um, yeah no, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, again, like... Uh, He's just, he's got a way, like, we, we talk about it all the time, like, he's, he's done, like, what, like, six movies in his, in his career, more than that, but he, 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 he does so <laughs> he's, few films. He's been in four films, won an Oscar <laughs> for all of them. He's been nominated six times. Yeah, yeah, what? yeah. Um, I, yeah, honestly, fuck, nominate him for There Will Be Blood again, yeah. I don't care. I think, I think Do someone, I think, I think we just got to a point in Daniel's life where we got, like, he turned, like, 50, 55, and someone's like, hey... Yeah, you kind of look like Abraham Lincoln, man. <laughs> you know, it'd be better as if they had that movie lined up for like thirty years, and they're like, "Nah, we don't have the makeup technology yet. We'll just get you to fucking do it when you're like 60. Uh, uh, I hope. I hope that's how that happens. You drink your okay. Sorry, Daniel Day Lewis. Cool. Back at it. Yeah, that's uh, um, two, that's two of my top five. Same guy. Not, yeah, not bad. Can't wait to see. Can't to see. Can't wait to see where my left foot falls. Uh, my, my number three. My number three is uh, 1991 Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs. I think so, this is going to be kind of a fucked up thing to say, but I think Silence of the Lambs was one of the might have been the movie that got me into movies. Like I remember watching that the first time and being so blown away by Anthony Hopkins, like in that movie and. Hmm. Uh, I was sure. fascinated with that movie as a teenager with that book. Like, I, I thought I thought it was great. Um, yeah, he, absolutely iconic. What he does in 27 minutes of screen time, let me tell you, it's it's unlike anything I've ever seen before. And, uh, yeah, Captain right. Hopkins. Yeah. yeah. And he, he's gone to do the role many times since and nails it every time. Sure. So it's, yeah. yeah. Clarice. All right, well, number two. Let's make it a three-peat. No, <laughs> no. My left foot, 1989. <laughs> Clean sweep from Daniel. Yeah. Um, no, number two for me, uh, Colin Firth. 
uh, nice. King, King speech. Nice. Uh, that speech, that that stutter that he pulls off. Oh, that's, so that's something fuck. else. I love that movie. Yeah, that's that's wild. That might be one of the most boring movies have that you, I'm like a massive. Like I think they're <laughs> fucking rock stars in this movie. Have you have, have you ever tried to like just have a stutter? Like if you just like, I can't st- imagine it would be very easy. No. Also, with like doing a somewhat of an accent, like he's British, but like he's got a, you know, his his. His diction has to be a certain way as well. I, I it's went, incredible. I went to that movie with some people and like, okay, we saw it. It's great. We're hanging out. We all go home. I get home. I'm I'm in bed. I'm lying awake. I'm thinking about the film and I attempt in 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 my midst to uh, talk with a stutter and it, it's. Did not, you go out for a couple beers after that movie or? Uh, Might have. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, I was not legal at the time, so definitely not. But okay. Yeah. So. No? No, 2010. 2010? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. It was late 2010, though. You would have just turned 19, I guess. Oh, maybe. That would have been after you got kicked out of the Rock House. Oof. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't can't, ready to get back on the horse yet. I can't wait to tell that story on a bonus episode one week. Fuck how James got his uh I was kind of hoping that ma- we would get some more mailbag questions. What yeah. does Coach Rock House mean? Um, my, uh, my number two is... I'm going to assume you're number one, um, but I would like to give a couple shout-outs here to my honorable mentions mm. and the casualties that didn't make it with us here. Uh, 1992, Al Pacino, Son of a Woman, and 1993, Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. It was very hard to cut these two. Tom Hanks is a is a national treasure. Al Pacino is going to be great in the new Tarantino movie. True. Uh, my number two is Gary Oldman for The Darkest Hour as Winston Churchill from 2017. I still can't believe what I watched. <laughs> like, still can't even believe that that movie's real. That's fair. That That, you know, okay, so... Here's my issue, and I'm going to get into it this week when we do uh, the bonus episode for the Academy Award predictions for next week. Um, there's a movie to ma- be made about Queen's story, and I'm not really sure that Bohemian Rhapsody nailed it. And I'd say the same thing about, there's a movie to be made about Dick Cheney, and I don't really think Vice was the best representation for that. There have been many movies made about Winston Churchill, or involving fictional depictions of Winston Churchill. That movie was perfect representation, I thought. Like, as good as you can get with, like, a political, historical film. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And he blows me away no, every time. That's... The, I mean, uh, although it is a pretty serious movie, the part where he's looking for the damn cat underneath the bed at the beginning still kills me. The cat called under the bed again! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like... You're, you're right, you alluded to it. Like, There's been a lot of performances by Churchill. The only one that I can think of that that comes um, kind of close um, was... Uh, did you watch the, the Netflix show The Crown? Uh, I, I couldn't get into it, but ye- yeah, I'll give John Lithgow some credit there. Yeah, the second season... John Lithgow is very good. Yeah, the second season, there was a lot more to do with Churchill than there was in, in the first season. Yeah. And he's got a, a bit of a, a more prominent role. I thought he was really good, more more for the, you know the the mannerisms and and whatnot. Like yeah. not so much, 
you know, like the acting skill. Yeah. You know, I, I, Gary Oldman's a superior actor. By the way, my number one is uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, Gary Oldman. I assumed. Uh, so I just figured we'll just keep this up for a little longer instead of waiting in suspense about what yeah. I could possibly be. Yeah. No, yeah, no. Uh, Gary Oldman, uh, that that was Winston Churchill on screen. I, yeah. I, I don't care what you, what yeah. you tell me. Uh, I saw that trailer three or four times. I didn't even realize it was Gary Oldman yeah. until like yeah. someone told me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, completely blew me away. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to say it's the best acting performance we've ever seen in cinema. I, I, I don't think it is, but it's, it's among the winners, and and what he he did in that film. I think. Oh no, it, it is what you think it is. It's the best lead actor winner. Yeah. Of the last forty years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. No, Doesn't mean it's the best down. performance of all time because you know there have been some amazing supporting actors. There have been some amazing lead and supporting actresses. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, yeah. Okay. My honorable mentions, I guess I'll just tuck them in real quick. Uh, 1980s Robert De Niro, Raging Bull. Yeah, and um, uh, Dawson Hoffman. So nice. Okay, I guess that guy did something good. <laughs> we and we seem to agree on it too. Um, my number one, how suspenseful. That we have a different number one. Interesting. Uh, mine was on your list, though. 2007, Daniel Day-Lewis, There Will Be Blood. Mm. Yeah. Just, yeah. Incredible. Incredible. If you've never seen There Will Be Blood, um, it's not a horror movie, so go out and watch it. I mean, it is horrifying, but it's not like a, it's not like a bunch of creatures are crawling out of the ground trying to eat your leg or something. I wouldn't watch it with your toddler. Definitely not. No. And I wouldn't watch it too late at night, because A, the music's pretty frightening. And I wouldn't watch it on and our first date. No. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. Every week we're going to bring that movie up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's, uh, well, there's your top ten that top you missed 10. out on. We got another top ten. We got a main episode coming out this week. Um, we should be out on Thursday-ish. Might be later in the day Thursday, though. Um, also, for those of you, because we're getting close, almost a week away, your bonus episode for the Oscar predictions will be out on Family Day, February 18th. So, go... I, I guess you don't need to do anything. Go to... <laughs> go get your tickets. Hmm. Should we do a live show? I won't be in the city, so... No, we'll do a, no, no, but just in general. We'll do a live show, and it'll just be like Mike Wern yelling, drinking in, at the Foundry or something, and we're right. just sitting there. Everyone else is annoyed because there's two guys on the stage talking about hockey. You guys got any questions? Hey, uh, yeah, sorry, we're just going to be closing up the mezzanine right now, if you guys could just move in a little bit. Abs- absolutely, oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're so sorry. We're so, yeah, sorry. so sorry. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Love us in general okay all right okay